Hi, I'm James Wedmore, host of the Mind Your Business podcast, and I've built an eight-figure year company selling digital products around my knowledge and expertise. In fact, this is what I've been doing in multiple niches for the past 15 years. And if you've ever wanted to do the same, or maybe you're trying, but you can't seem to get any traction, here's how I can help. As you can guess, you need an audience if you want to sell your stuff, right? But what if I told you that you don't need a big audience. You don't need millions of followers to get started. In fact, we see that it's with just your first 100 leads where you really start getting some momentum. I mean, think about it. Imagine that you're on the stage of a room filled with just 100 people in that audience right now. That's a lot of people. You don't think that a few of them would walk up to you after your talk and ask, hey, how can I keep working with you? Of course they would. And that's why I created your first 100 leads. It's a 14-video step-by-step training mini course that walks you through exactly how to get your first 100 leads fast. And the feedback and results from this free program have been amazing. Diane Shepard said, this is one of the best trainings I've ever taken. Jake Curry said, We have had 753 people sign up for this free training. Are you kidding me? Dan Netting said, I'm currently going through the first 100 leads training, and James, I gotta say, it's brilliant. This training is A to Z complete, and the best part is it's absolutely free. To register, simply click the link in the show notes of this episode. Thanks so much, and I'll see you there. Hey, and welcome to the Ambitious Bookkeeper podcast. I'm Serena Shoup. I am a CPA and mom of three, and I'm running a virtual bookkeeping business mostly from my home. You're in the right place if you're a bookkeeper, accountant, or an accounting student, and you know that your purpose is bigger than sitting in a cubicle. If you're ready to learn some actionable tips and strategies to help you start and grow a bookkeeping or accounting business, I hope you stick around. Hello, my friends. Today is a live Q&A that we hold monthly for all of our students. Um, And it's also a special live Q&A in case you didn't see the social post. But also, I thought it would be really fun (laughs) to do a goal setting and a visualization exercise with you guys to kind of get clear on your goals. So, If you have a notebook, bring it up, pull it up, have it handy. You can kind of just follow along and take notes and write things down as, as you, as you feel. So I do ask you have an open mind. If you've been through the bookkeeping business accelerator or the workshops, some of this might be kind of familiar to you because we do these exercises. Uh, But I do think it's really important to do them frequently. So I'm going to start off with this goal setting exercise, and then we'll jump into the Q&A. So I like to start with reflecting on, before we dive into future pacing, I like to start with reflecting on this last year. So if you have your journal or a piece of paper handy or your notes app on your phone, I'm following the notes that I took to guide you through this (laughs) on my notes app. It's the thing that's always handy, right? Whatever works. So right, I would love for you to kind of reflect on this last year and write down who your favorite client was. And then I also want you to, hopefully you can just like immediately, you know who your favorite client is. <laughs> and then write down what your favorite task in your business is. 
Now you kind of have to dig a little bit deeper, but overall, what worked inside of your business? Like, what do your, what do you, when you look back at last year and you're like, I nailed that, that worked really well, write that down. For me, just to kind of give you guys some examples, my favorite task in my business is probably marketing, (laughs) marketing and connecting with people you know, kind of the sales function. And I also really enjoy just mentoring my team. And what worked inside of your business. So, right, if you've if you got this great, I'm gonna give my example what worked inside of your business. So for us, I think what really worked this last year is speaking in front of other groups to build our audience, if you will, for the firm or potential clients. So speaking on podcasts, in uh, masterminds, at retreats, that's something that really worked for us. And we've gotten leads and new clients from all of those places. And so that's something that when you write down what worked, we want to incorporate that into this new year, (laughs) into your new year goals and strategies of like, how do we amplify that? Now write down what didn't work. If there's something that came to mind that you're like, yeah, I have this, you know, I keep attracting these horrible clients or I was stressed out all the time. I felt overworked. Whatever it is that stands out in your mind that does not, that is not working for you, write that down. Now, I don't know if you have it handy or know off the top of your head, this might be something that you have to come back to and write down. So you might want to leave some space on your paper but I want you to write down your total revenue and your total profit. So the net net income, bottom line, after all your expenses. And then I also want you to write down how much you paid yourself (laughs) because that might be different. And so this is something that, this is an exercise you can do with your own clients by having them sit down and get present with what their actual revenue is what their actual profit is and what they've actually paid themselves. Sometimes things will happen where the client has a lot of revenue, they have a decent amount of profit, and then they go and they look at what they've paid themselves and it's more than their profit. And so then you can have the conversation with them like, this is why your credit card bill is $20,000 because you were actually paying yourself more than your business was making. So Let's make some adjustments. So if that's you, that is, you know, something to look at going into the new year, having a plan to pay something down, um, having a plan to increase your revenue, decrease your expenses, things like that. So all of this is going to roll into the goals that we set and the strategies for the coming year. And sometimes the opposite happens. I'm sure this is actually what's happening with a lot of accountants (laughs) is the revenue is good. The expenses are very low, the profit is high, and what we're paying ourselves is relatively lower than the profit. So if that's you, kind of just sit with like, even if you don't have the numbers in front of you, maybe you can pull up your QuickBooks if you're all caught up. But when you have the time, sit with these numbers and actually think through like, how did I get here? What do I want to change with this? Do I want to pay myself more? Do I want to cut back on what I'm paying myself and hire so that I can have actually more time instead of um, all this money, whatever it is. Okay. 
All right. So that's our reflection on last year. Like I said, you may need to go back and look at your QuickBooks or your zero file to, to pull your actual numbers. But I do highly encourage you, if you haven't closed out your own books yet, do that today. Like make that a point to do it this week before you get wrapped up in doing all of your client stuff. Do your own and reflect on your own numbers. Be your own best client. Okay. If you follow Katie Farrow, she talks about this a lot. My coach, Katie Fleming, talks about this a lot. Like, I know it's really hard for us to, it's like the the shoemaker, right? Always had his, the shoemaker's son always has the worst, you know, shoes or the most tattered shoes. It's, it's the same with us, but it doesn't have to be. We can choose to be different. And so if you want to take really good care of your clients, it starts, everything starts at home, right? <laughs> so make it a point this week to close out your own books, tidy up your own stuff so that you can be the first one to file your taxes and you can be the first one to know what your profit is. And you can, you know, you've got to treat yourself as your, your best and your favorite client. Okay. So next let's get sort of into looking to the future. This is where I, I want you to have a really open mind. If you've been in my world a while, you probably, you, you get this about me by now, but I want you to close your eyes and visualize five years from now. Okay. How old are your children? And you can, you can open your eyes and write this down if you want, if you want to keep your eyes open, but sometimes it helps to close your eyes and really like visualize it. So how old are your kids? What are you doing with them each day? If you have children during your free time, visualize that. Where are you guys going? What are you doing? Where are you at day to day? What activities are they in? So five years from now, my kids will be 10 and 11, and they'll likely be in hockey and T. Well, they won't be in T-ball anymore. Maybe they'll be in softball or baseball. They will probably, my daughter will probably still be in dance. My oldest daughter will be hopefully done with college. Like, when you stop to think about in just five years, what stage will your children be in? It really forces you to soak up what's actually happening right now because five years doesn't seem like very long in the grand scheme of business, but it's a long, it's a lot can happen in five years in business, but more so in life. So we want to stay grounded to who's around us and what stage our family is in right now and all that kind of stuff. And also this helps you kind of visualize what you want to be doing with your time at that age. So one thing that that, that type of exercise has helped me with is when I visualize what my kids will be in five years, maybe some of the, the huge ambitions and the goals that I have can wait until then. I don't need to chase them right now when my kids are little. I need to be spending time with them, right? Or maybe your kids are older right now and in five years, you want to be at a point where you're ready to retire. So you do need to like hammer, hammer that goal down, right? <laughs> and chase after it. It just depends on what stage of life you're in. Okay. So close your eyes again. Think about where you're living, whether it's the same city you're in right now, or it's a city that you've always wanted to live in and in five years you want to be there, or maybe you're traveling, you're, you're doing the nomad lifestyle, you bought an RV, maybe you're in an RV right now and in five years you want to be settled down. 
visualize where it is you're living and close your eyes and think about what is the air smell smell like? What is the what does the air feel like? Like what part of the country are you in? Is it like is it sticky? Is it cool? Is it salty? Think about the smells and really visualize the smell and the feeling of where it is that you're at. We'll be back after a quick break. This episode of the Ambitious Bookkeeper podcast is sponsored by my brand new free training, The Ultimate Guide to Creating a Profitable Bookkeeping Business. In just one hour, you will learn three keys to creating and launching a profitable bookkeeping business. We will map out your path to creating a bookkeeping or accounting business that keeps you in control of your time, priorities, and expertise. From someone who built a six-figure firm on part-time hours. That's right. You can stay in control of your time, keep family as your priority, and serve your clients well. It just takes a little strategy up front, and I'm going to help you with that during this free training. So head over to the show notes to sign up now for the next training and find out how you can choose the work you do, kick imposter syndrome to the curb, use tech to be super efficient, which all leads to a profitable business. Just head on over to ambitiousbookkeeper.com training, and I will see you there. And if you want to open your eyes and write, write all that down, go for it. Also, you'll have the replay of this. You can come back to it later. Okay. And what are you doing after you're done working each day and on the weekends or when you take time off? Are you spending your time in the local um, butterfly garden? I don't know why that came to me. Are you spending your time um, on the weekends traveling to see your children in college? Or are you spending your time on the weekends um, in your RV or hanging out on the beach? And really try to, again, visualize, feel it, smell it, make your brain think that it's reality. (laughs) Sounds really weird, but yeah. Okay. Now we talked about what you're doing after you're done working each day, but what are you spending your time on while you're working? During your time that you're working, and we'll get into later how much time you're working, but during the time that you're working, what are you spending that time doing? Um, go back and look at that, that favorite task that you wrote down up top of your list at the beginning and ask yourself, like, is this what I want to spend most of my time doing? Because that's my favorite thing. Or maybe there's other things that you want to be doing in the future that you haven't really allowed yourself the creativity or the time or whatever to be doing. But in five years, will you will you be doing that? I sure hope so, if, if it's something that's important to you. Again, we're talking during your work time, during the hours that you're working, what are you spending your time doing? Um, and now like visualize, like, what does your business look like? Do you have a team? Do you have a group of really amazing clients that trust you and get you the things that you need? What does your team look like? How many people are on your team? What are the different positions in your team? What have you offloaded off of your own plate and given to a team member or outsourced to a third party, maybe? Things like that. And then back to that client piece. What kind of clients do you work with? Go back and look at who your favorite client is. Write down all the qualities about them that you love that makes them a good client. 
whether it's their industry, the tools that they're using, their personality, most likely. Write down all the things about that client that make them your favorite client. And this, I want you to like really take your time, maybe come back to this, write down all the things you can think of. And then I want you to highlight that bad boy, like circle it. (laughs) That's the client you're going to focus on getting in 2023. More of those. Okay. All right. Take a little pause here for a second so you can finish writing. I hope you guys are actually writing stuff down and I'm not just like, la, la, la. (laughs) Now let's get into the money goals. This is the stuff that I think is really easy for us. Our personality type, we're very like logical brain with, with things. So this part should be relatively easy. However, I want you to, this is where it gets kind of tricky, especially when you talk about like way in the future with money. So it can get tricky when you're thinking like way in the future. So I just want to like push the boundary and and kind of push you guys to to think bigger, but also like we're going to recognize where the gap is from where you're actually at right now versus where you want to be in five years and make sure that we can stair step it because there's no sense in setting a million dollar goal if for five years from now, if right now you are making $20,000 a year, that's a little bit of a stretch. Okay. So I'm not going to ask you <laughs> to go that crazy. Um, so, okay. And all of these things, they kind of like intertwine. So as you're setting these things, we might need to pause and look back at like, well, what did my day actually look like five years from now and what I want to be doing? And is this money goal in alignment with where I said I wanted to be in my life? Like, is that going to get me there or is that going to pull me away from spending time on the things that I want to spend time on in five years? So it's all kind of intertwined. It's all connected. So you may have to like pause and really think about like, okay, just like the kids thing, like you may have a goal in five years to do X, Y, Z, but if your true priority is soaking up your little babies right now, (laughs) then the goal can wait. And we can, we can get somewhere kind of in the middle that uh, accomplishes what you actually need versus all the big grand things that you want. All right. So money goals, <clears throat> like I asked you earlier to look at like where you're actually at. Did you pay yourself what you want or need to be paying yourself in 2022? And you might not know that answer yet if you haven't gone back and actually looked at your numbers. So you can always go back to this. But how much do you want to be paying yourself? That one, I'm pretty sure you can write down without looking at what you've actually made. <laughs> we all have a pretty decent idea, I'm pretty sure, of how much money we spend each month on our general expenses. If you're spending more than you make right now, well, then you need to obviously increase that number of what you want to make to cover everything that you're spending. Or if you have, for me, one of my major goals for 2023 is actually to invest more of what I'm making. And so I've set dollar amounts of how much money I want to invest each month in my in my SEP and my brokerage accounts and all the things. And then I'm back in. So we're going to back into how much revenue we need to make. <laughs> and once we do, we may not, it may not work out. Like we may realize like that's a bit of a reach, right? For the next year to be 
investing XYZ and we have XYZ expenses and, and bills and things to pay. And then you start looking, you start adding it all up and realizing, well, that would require me to be making $30,000 in revenue every month. And right now I'm making five. So that's a big leap to be, to make in one year. It's possible, but you're not going to make that amount right now. Like maybe by the end of the year or midway through the year, you might reach that 30K a month if right now you're at 5K because it takes time to grow your client base, right? Oh, I'm going to pause for this question real quick. If my favorite client is because of personality versus industry, how do I focus on gaining that type of client when it's hard to gauge what type of person they are at the beginning of the engagement? I've had a lot of good clients this year, but also several bad clients that I don't want to repeat. My bad clients also cost me the most money. Yeah. So you're probably familiar with the um, Pareto principle, the 80-20 rule, where 20% of your clients um, bring in 80% of your revenue, 20% of your clients cost you the most of your time, those types of things, right? So in the beginning of BBA, when I talk about, and this is also in the bookkeeping client closer, I believe, I talk about your perfect fit client. And one of the things is that it, it doesn't have to be industry. It can be based on personality. So depending on the different personality factors, some personalities are attracted to certain types of industry. So you may be able to make a connection. So for instance, like artists are very like free spirited, kind of like relaxed about their money and things like that and paperwork. And maybe they're not very good at getting you things on time. But then there's other industries where like one that comes to mind one of my best clients at getting me things on time. Well, two of my best clients are one of them's a, a husband and wife team. And that has a big thing to do with it is the husband's the one that's like managing all the paperwork and getting us everything that we need. Like we send the suspense report and the ask report and within 24 hours, they return it to us. <laughs> it's incredible, but that's because they have the time and the resources to dedicate that it's, we're not working with just one business owner who is stretched thin. So that's part of it, right? The other client that's really good at getting me things right away, he's actually an investor in multiple businesses and he has a corporate background. And so he gets the importance. <laughs> that's actually the same. Now that I'm thinking about it, the husband and wife team, the husband has a corporate background, corporate finance background. And so he gets it too. And so if you can make those types of connections and kind of dig deeper into like what their personality is and what their background is, you may be able to figure it out that way. Another thing you can do is ask that client if they have friends that are like them that run a business, whether it's in the same industry or not. But if you have a friend that operates like you do, you're my favorite client. You get me things on time. You treat me with respect. You understand the importance of this. If you have friends that are like you or know other businesses that have the same personality and the same outlook on this, I would love to be introduced to them if they need a bookkeeper. You can just ask. So those are a couple ideas for you there. All right. So back to our money goals. If you would like to do one year and five year goals, that's a good idea, especially if like you have these visions for five years from now, what's it going to take to get there? It's probably a good idea to kind of think through like, okay, well, if I went to, you know, 
live across the country on the beach or whatever, it's going to be more expensive five years from now. So I need to make sure I'm making more money by then. So that can help dictate what your money goals are for five years from now. And if you want to just set the next 12 months, that is okay too. <laughs> so I'm just going to work, walk you through your 12 month goals. So if you by now kind of have a good idea of how much revenue and profit you made in 2022, have that number handy. Hopefully you wrote it down earlier if you do have it handy and reflect on like how much you paid yourself. Is it enough? Would you like to be paying yourself more and how much more? And so write down that number that you want to be paying yourself after taxes, all the things, um, the money coming into your personal bank account. And if you have goals to like invest some of it, like write that down too. like of my income, this much is going to be invested and this much is going to bills. This much is going to kids college fund, whatever it is. And that's also helpful to see as well. I have, I did start doing this the other day. I have my journal and I just kind of like, I would just keep a page for like brain dumping goals and ideas on for the next couple weeks, if you'd like. But I have a page in my journal that's titled 2023 goals and promises. So I'm making promises to myself, not resolutions. <laughs> it feels better. It's all about the words we use. But I have a section for money and a section for health. And then I haven't done it yet, but I'm going to have a section for relationships. So if you want to follow that format, you can. Today, we're going to focus on our money goals, but I can give you some ideas of other ones too. But I'm sure everyone kind of has an idea of like what they want their relationships to look like, what you want your health to look like. And it's just a matter of kind of brain dumping all the things that are going to help you get there and then prioritizing them. But as for money, I have a number that I want to save every month and invest a portion of that. So I'm building my savings and investing and then a pay myself goal and a revenue goal for each of my businesses. And so that revenue goal I backed into based on how much I want to pay myself and what my taxes are, what my net profit is. So this is why it's handy to have your income statement and look at the percentage of what your net profit is. So if your net profit is, let's say it's 30% of your revenue and you want to pay yourself $10,000 um, a month, you'll take $10,000 and divide it by 0.3. And then you get, it's 33,333 is the amount of revenue that you need to make. So that would be your profit before taxes, obviously. So if you know your tax bracket, you can also back into that or how much you want to at least set aside for taxes. For me, the way that I handle that everything is the profit first method. So I take 15% of my total revenue or total deposits that come in the bank every couple of weeks. And I put that away into a savings account and it's more than enough for me and my tax bracket. And so at year end, I have a chunk of cash that I'm ready to put in my SEP IRA. <laughs> so you can manage it that way too. I prefer to just take the taxes off the top and not think about them throughout the year and not calculate it based on profit, especially because like we talked about earlier, if you are not doing your own bookkeeping first, at the very beginning of the month, 
you're waiting until the 15th or the 20th to close out your own books and then seeing what your actual profit is and then saving your taxes from that, it behaviorally, it's not going to work out. You're always going to be behind on setting aside taxes. Even though we're accountants, we are humans as well. <laughs> so we have human behaviors. I just don't think that that's a good practice. And that's not how I guide my clients either. I have them take it off the top with the profit first method even if it's 10% or 5%, if they're an S-corp, whatever it is, because we we want to put that money away immediately before they see it in their bank account and start spending it. So I would suggest the same for you if you have a hard time saving. <laughs> I know not all accountants have a hard time saving. I'm one of them though. If I see money, I like to spend it. Um, okay. It's all about knowing yourself. So Write down how much you want to pay yourself in this next year, whether it's a monthly figure. For me, that's the easiest to figure out is the monthly amount that I want to pay myself. And then look at what you paid yourself monthly this last year and what's the gap? Like, are we talking like a $5,000 gap? Um, are we talking a $1,000 gap? So if you've been paying yourself $5,000 a month and this year you want to be paying yourself $10,000 a year, you have a $5,000 gap. So now we need to strategize how you're going to make up that difference. Obviously, the number one way is to increase your revenue. Unless you're completely overspending and you can literally cut $5,000 out of your expenses, the easiest way is to actually increase your revenue. So this is where you look to see, okay, what are what, what am I charging my clients on average? So if you add up all your clients, I'm going to stick with paying yourself $10,000 a month for 2023, just as an example. But in 2022, you paid yourself $5,000 a month. And let's say your revenue is $10,000 a month in 2022 or at the end of 2022, because it could have grown, right? You may not have started out 2022 with that much revenue per month. So if your current revenue as it stands with your current client base right now is $10,000 a month and you have safe, easy numbers, 20 clients, your average fee per client is 500. So you might have some clients that are paying you a thousand. You might have some clients that are paying you 400, but on average, your average client revenue is $500 per client. So if you are looking to close the gap on a, on $5,000, if you're paying yourself $5,000 right now, and you want to be paying yourself $10,000, you have $5,000 to make up and your average client fee is 500. So you need probably 10 more clients unless you triple or quadruple your prices, right? So if you keep things on average, because what happens is I started looking at things on average like this because when a client comes to you, it's very important to have a minimum price for sure so that you know you're never going to dip below that. But if a new client comes to you, you don't know if they're going to really be a $1,000 client or a $500 client until you do the discovery process and all the things. So if we're just kind of trying to set goals on how many clients to get, you want to either use your average client fee or use your base price as what you're going to charge or calculate that client as. So, you know, you're never like for us, our minimum price is 650. So when I project my goals out for new clients, if I was 
going to have the goal of 10 new clients, then I would assume that no client is going to be lower than $650 a month. So I could automatic, if I got 10 new clients in one month, I would be making up that $5,000 gap for sure. Okay. But then you have to look at it as, okay, what is the likelihood of me getting to that, that 10 K profit immediately? You have to allow time to ramp up. So realistically, how many new clients can you onboard? How much, how many leads are you actually getting in and where do you need to focus your efforts? So if you need 10 more clients, but you typically only get one or two leads per month, well, it's probably going to take you the entire year to get to that 10 client goal, if if you get what I'm saying. But if you want those clients faster, now we got to start strategizing and thinking strategically of like, okay, well, how can I double the amount of leads I'm getting in? What activities can I do to do that? So then you look at what worked in 2022. Where did your leads come from, the ones that you did get, your new clients, where did they come from? And how can you double down on that? So our goals, obviously, are going to dictate the different strategies that we need to pursue. So if your goal is to get a bunch more clients, you have to ramp up the leads that you're getting in. Like I said before, just to give you guys some ideas, what really worked for us is me guest speaking. And so in January, I've already booked three guest speaking spots. (laughs) And that's what my focus is in, in Q1 is getting me in front of audiences speaking either on podcasts or in masterminds or in courses and getting in front of my ideal clients. Because what happens is I usually land at least one new client from one of those engagements. So if I want a new client every month, I need to be speaking at at least one event every month, right? In theory, I might have like January, I have three events, so I could potentially get three new clients. This is just my, these are just my trends. And it depends on how many people are in those audiences, but they're small audiences. Like these events and things that I speak at are usually like 15 to 20 people. And so if I get one new client out of each of those, then I'm set for Q1. I've hit my goal of three new clients for the first quarter, whether they all come in January or they all come in February. That's kind of how you figure out what you need to focus on. So if your goal is more clients, focus on activities that are going to bring you more leads of the type of client that you want. Keep that in mind. Remember, we highlighted that bad boy. So it's going to take some brainstorming where you sit down and you look at, okay, who's my favorite client? Where are they hanging out? Where can I find more of them? Honestly, the easiest place to start is to ask your current clients, your good clients for referrals. And then you can also be like, we're accepting new clients. Do you know of anyone who might need a bookkeeper? You can also use that on somebody who you actually want to be your client. So if you are starting to build a relationship with someone that you're like, this would be an ideal client. Like I've scouted, not like scouted out people, but there's been people in my world that I'm like, I would love to have that person as one of my clients. And so you start putting yourself in the room with them. You start building a relationship with that person. And then you can one day be like, hey, like I'm accepting new clients. Do you know of anybody who needs this? Same thing works for podcast pitching. Like you could be like, hey, I'm trying to get on podcasts for XYZ audience. Do you know of anyone who might or any podcast who might be a good fit for me? 
sometimes people will be like, yeah, actually mine. You could be on my podcast, right? So that tactic works really well on it doesn't feel sleazy because you're not outright asking them to be on their podcast and you're not outright asking them to be a client of yours, but you're planting the seed of you have availability, you're looking for new clients and you want clients like that person. So works really well. I highly recommend it. So that's another idea if one of your goals is to increase your revenue and get more clients. But let's talk about other ways to increase your profit and revenue besides cutting expenses. That's always a given. You could obviously increase your prices. That's difficult, but on existing clients, but an easy way to do it is to just drastically increase your price on all new clients. One area that I've seen this be kind of difficult though, is if you historically charge very low prices to all of your clients and you're getting referrals from those clients the new clients coming in may be expecting the same low prices if they've talked about that. Okay. So you need to make sure that the pricing, your pricing is in alignment with the type of client that you're attracting. They might not be able to afford the new pricing. So you might have to shift your marketing and shift your messaging and shift where you're showing up. If you also another, another scenario could be that you don't want more clients, but you need more revenue. So look at how you can serve your current clients in a higher capacity. And it's going to take some pitching current clients. If that makes you uncomfortable, sometimes it's easier to let go of a bad client and then raise your prices and look for new clients. You have to kind of figure out what's going to fit your personality best. Like if you know that your current clients don't need or want the new services that you want to offer, then you're kind of forced to go out into the marketplace and find more clients. Maybe one of your goals is to actually downsize your clients. So let's talk about like time goals, like how much time you want to be spending working and who, how much time you want to be spending working and like how many clients you want to work with. You might be at capacity right now. You might be serving 10 clients and feel like you can't take on any more, but you need more revenue So this is where you're at a a flux, a decision point of if you take on another client, you're going to have to hire. You might be at a point where you can't really afford to pay somebody quite yet, but you know that hiring is the only way you're going to be able to serve more clients. So sometimes you do have to make a sacrifice. (laughs) And sometimes like one of the things that's going around right now is like, hardly working at all and scaling your business and things like that. But the truth of it is like, I would not be able to serve the clients that I serve at the capacity that I serve them with the little amount of time that I spend on them if I did not have a team. So the only reason why I'm able to work 10 hours a week and serve these clients is because I have a team. Otherwise, I would be working more because I would be doing all the work. (laughs) So that's another decision that you have to make. If you want to lead a team, if you want to grow to a certain point, sometimes you have to have a team or outsource pieces of your business. So whatever your goals are, kind of sit with them and think strategically about like, what are the actions that I need to take to get there? And my big suggestion here is to 
not pile on all these different strategy moves each quarter. I would choose one per quarter. So like I mentioned before, my Q1 objective is to get on podcasts and on stages and in front of groups to speak. And that's it. Like that's my one initiative for my accounting firm in Q1. That's it. <laughs> and in Q2, it's going to be something different. So you look at your goals, where you want to be by the end of the year, and and basically choose four initiatives that are going to help you get there. So if your goal is a time goal, having more time in your day, then one of your initiatives is going to be hiring, most likely. Either that or cutting back clients and raising prices. <laughs> choose your hard. <laughs> but yeah, it's going to take time to sit through. But I hope this got your wheels turning and hope that this gave you a little clarity and some ideas to start thinking about. Yeah, I think I went through all my notes on the goal setting. So now I'm going to open it up for questions. We have some time left. We have about 15 minutes. All right, we've got a question. I had all my engagement letters expire in on 1231, so it was easier to raise prices. I'm actually cutting back on clients and only keeping a couple of small ones and don't need to increase them. Do you have a suggestion for moving forward? Do I need to send a whole new engagement or can I send an extension of the one for 2022? It depends on how your engagement letter was written. Usually, like I would look back at how it was written. Sometimes contracts will say this contract is in effect in perpetuity until unless someone gives a notice and blah, 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 however it's worded. Or it could say this contract expires on 1231. And so in that case, I would say, send them a, the identical engagement letter and say, this is basically, this is the same engagement letter. And this is also a good time to like shore up some of the language in your engagement letter or the scope. It'd just be like on in January of every year, we, we revisit the scope of our services and make sure that pricing is aligned with the scope that we've been providing. And we just use it as, a, as, a, as an opportunity to kind of cross our T's and dot our I's. And so if you do have people that you need to raise prices on, you can. This is also great if your contract is written that the contract expires unless someone initiates a renewal. This is a really good way to get out of engagements you don't want to be in anymore. You could just be like, our contract expired. I don't think it's a good fit to continue on, blah, 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 things like that. <clears throat> and you can just say, we'll, we'll carry you through the end of January to get you through year end. But for January bookkeeping going forward, you'll need to find someone new, blah, blah, blah. So yeah, my engagement letters all have a, a date. Like I had them expire in Dubsado as of 1231, but the engagement letter is actually written to automatically renew. So I'm not on the hook for sending new engagement letters every year if I don't if I don't do it right away, but I'm, I'm planning on it because that's one of the things that like, I want to make sure like in the last quarter of last year, I, I meant to get this done before the end of the year. It just didn't work out. But what I did is I sat down and looked at all the pricing for all my clients, the scope for each of them. And I kind of put them into buckets of like, this person is priced at a really low price, but they're actually getting our VIP service. And then this person is priced here, but they're actually getting this service. And so I'm trying to like align it more with our current packages and pricing. So a couple people are going to get like a 50 to a hundred dollar price increase. 
um, in Q2 because I didn't do it in time. But I also was kind of like pausing just because like inflation and the recession and things like that. So I was like, I'll just, I'll kind of, I'll wait until Q2. And also like my clients usually every, I mean, this is typical for most businesses, unless you're retail, like everyone at the end of the year kind of just slows down. And so asking someone in December for a price increase can come as kind of a shock because some people don't have as much revenue coming in. So if you wait to time it to like when the, when you're like for my clients are course creators and they're all probably going to be launching in Q1 at some point and having a big influx of money. So <laughs> timing, it's all about timing. <clears throat> but yeah, I hope that answers your question. I would just read your contract to see how it's worded and then go from there. You could absolutely just do like an extension or a renewal letter or something like that and have it as an amendment to the contract and just refer back to that contract if there's nothing you want to change about the scope or anything. Um, but I would honestly use this as an opportunity to make sure that the contract is written in a way that is in alignment with the scope that you're actually providing. And if it's not, then you need to have a conversation with the client of like, here was our original scope. We've kind of creeped outside of this. And this is what we're providing right now. And this actually drops you into this XYZ package. So I want to get you in alignment with that pricing or have the discussion to either scale back on our scope, whatever it is, like give the client the option. If they're like, no, I really enjoy that service. I'll pay for that. Maybe you can come to a middle ground on the pricing and maybe not do like a huge, if it's a huge jump, do like a midway jump. And then say, and then at, you know, in Q2 or Q3, we'll get you all the way there. You can stair step them. So yeah, I hope that helps. Definitely keep that notebook handy, jot down more ideas, let it marinate, kind of sit on it. And really like your perfect, your, your favorite client, your perfect client, like keep that front and center. When you're on discovery calls, think of questions that you can ask that are going to draw out answers that indicate that they are that kind of client or are not like either way you want to know. So you're going to have to get creative with the type of questions you ask. It's just like interviewing an employee. We ask a lot of questions that are not skills-based and more of around like how people react to the question or <laughs> react or answer the question and things like that, because we want to make sure that we're getting the right fit personality-wise, culture-wise, and it's the same with, with clients. <clears throat> a good, one of the best things, one of the best questions you can ask on a discovery call is, especially if they've already had a bookkeeper, of why they're looking for a new bookkeeper. Why you? Like, why are you here today? Have you had a bookkeeper? What, you know, what made that an unsuccessful relationship? And then what would make this a successful relationship in your eyes? And why me? Why now? Basically, sometimes people wouldn't have had a bookkeeper before. So the why now is like, well, I need a bookkeeper. I've never had one. It's time to level up. Some people might answer, I had a bookkeeper before. They weren't, you know, doing the things that I asked, or maybe they raised the prices too much, whatever their reasoning is, you can dig into that of like figuring it's kind of like when you interview a new employee and you're like, what happened? Why'd you leave this job? Or I don't know if you can say that, but like you can, you can kind of ask questions like, you know, 
sometimes people will just offer too. They'll offer to bash their previous employer or their previous bookkeeper. And, and you know, that's not a client that you want to work with because that indicates them not taking responsibility for the role they played. Just little. <laughs> if someone's quick to basically blame their previous bookkeeper or blame their previous employer, it's a good indication that they don't take responsibility for their own actions. Even if the other person was at fault, someone who is diplomatic and is like, it just wasn't, you know, the right fit. I just, I know I saw a couple things that weren't right. And I just knew it wasn't going to work out going forward. Like that's the type of answer you want. <laughs> Alrighty guys, I'll talk to you later. Thank you to everyone who helps make this podcast possible. Content and interviews are produced by me, Serena Shu. Our intro and outro music is written and performed by my brother, Ian Gilliam. Editing is also by Ian using his awesome sound engineering skills along with Descript software. Hosting and publishing is by Buzzsprout. And you can check out the show notes for links to all of these amazing resources and resources mentioned in the episode. Be ambitious.